4: Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, Northampton Town Audio Show. As dusty and faded as the pages of Shut That Door fanzine on Neil Grayson. <laughs> I'm Tom Reed, and tonight I'm joined by Martin Maloney, oh, yeah. Andy Bodfish, Ian Brant and Jefferson Lake. How are you doing guys? You okay? Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, all
0: right mate. Yeah. All good. All
5: also, good.
0: Also being joined by the patrons of, um, of uh, the, the 81 as well in the... The background, uh, yeah,
3: oh, the, 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 the Ecton one, yes. yes, get it right.
4: Ian <laughs> <laughs> Martin only it's gets coming. paid by Bippin if he if he pronounces it right. <laughs> in yes. three points, you
3: 81 is me football team, the Ecton one is me pub. <laughs>
4: that's
3: how we roll in
4: N3. So, uh, yeah, that's right, isn't it, Martin? You're live from the uh Northampton's finest right now.
3: I I am here, the jewel of ben N3, yes,
4: you're quite right. <laughs> we... We talked about it before. If you hear a meat raffle going on in the background, or uh, you know, like a vicious fight over the pool table, you know uh, what's going on. Martin will be professional as always, won't you, Martin?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Keep, we'll keep a lid on everything.
4: <laughs> Have you got a football moment of the week for us, Martin?
3: Um, I I do. It's um, probably you know, I normally look for something quite sort of you know worthy or you know something to look up. Sometimes though, it's the, the nastiness and the hate in football that. The nice sort of, you know, rivalry or Morbo, as I might say, in Spain, the things that really wind you up, that I love. And a couple, uh, I think it was last night, a couple of nights ago, Aberdeen played Rangers. And Aberdeen, uh, got Scott Brown, who is a Celtic legend. Um, played Celtic for t- 10 plus years, captained them. He's gone to, gone to Aberdeen now. Ryan Kent got sent off for a stupid, stupid challenge. And Scott Brown's reaction was the reaction of somebody who has, uh, has got them in his heart. And we need that in football. You need that thing that says, when you play for a club for a long time, it means something to you. And your rivals are still your rivals, even when you play for someone else. <laughs> so that, for me, was uplifting in a sarcastic applause
4: and see you later sort of way. <laughs> Yeah, he's a bit of. Like, was that the one where he tried to? Someone tried to hug him, or was that a separate one? Uh, There's there another one I saw where try, someone go, tried I to I hug saw, him, and no, no, he tried reaction. to hug them, and he and then then the other guy pushed him away. I'd have to, I'd have to
3: check back. but the reaction was a thing of beauty. It was <laughs> a, that's a player who it means every bit as much to, as a supporter as even when he's not at the club, and that. That's one of the reasons football's so brilliant, because of that emotional attachment we have.
4: Yeah, it's it's nice to see that sort of thing, isn't it? Football seems quite tepid at the moment, especially during coronavirus and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, that was a good one, Martin. Um, Ian, any um, any news on um, Grange Hill, the movie? Um, no, not no, nothing,
0: nothing as of yet. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see if they've tracked down Roland yet.
4: Because apparently, um Bayo's been getting some uh, coaching, t- uh, acting coaching from um, Roland. So, uh, is that all right? Mm, yeah, apparently he's a shoo-in for the role now after after I put him forward. Martin, you need to put yourself on mute. All I can hear is uh, people uh, screaming for uh, half a pint of miles. <laughs> <laughs> I will mute I will mute myself presently. Quite entertaining actually to be fair. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so, so no so no news in on the. Uh, is there a Grange Hill forum you go on, GrangeHill.com?
0: I think he has gone that. Uh, no, there used to be. They, they, I did used to go on that a long time. I was quite a good friends on. i say friends, internet friends. It was Ziggy Greaves on the on the Grange oh, Hill wow. forum, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, I used to run the football prediction competition on there. And um, it, it was quite high pressure, <laughs> right? Has anyone ever had to run anything like that? You know what I mean. Like organising things is yeah. not my strong point. Uh, yeah, mate. Run a um, mile. Oh, it's a nightmare. A nice, yeah. You know, well, and then I'd get all the private messaging me you now. You got this one wrong. I, should, I did yeah. get that score. Oh, it's. I hate it. So yeah, I I don't think Ziggy ever pipes that. It is like one of Donch's schemes. And he would have liked to charge ten p entry and then <laughs> ripped everyone off or something. But that's that wasn't my
3: that's plan. That's All I can think of. His friends reunited for Grange Hill.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> good idea. I think um, so. So you essentially did the, the football prediction league. Did none of the Grange Hill characters like like get a bit chirpy if you messed it up or whatever? You were a bit late with updating No, it? no, because the, the
0: Not main even ones Zamo? that were on there. No, Zama, no, the main ones that were on there. I tell you who was on there. Um, yeah, uh, Ziggy Greaves was on there, but most of it was just fans. Yeah. Like I tell you what, it was. Do you remember when Justin Lee Collins did that? Um, bring back Range Hill reunion show, yeah. and he he met some of the actors. I went. I just like googled it, and I found the forum. I went on the forum, and like it was just mainly fans on there, but some of the actors were on there. Yes, uh, Ziggy Greaves was a regular. George um, <laughs> Christopher um, Roland was on there quite, but not like it was sporadic, and. Um, Oh, what's that girl? Justine Dean. Does anyone remember her? She was sort of towards the end of the 80s. She used to hang around with um, Sean Maguire's character in it. Oh, okay. And, um, she was quite. She was quite. <laughs> I
5: think Tex um...
0: Ratcliffe is the name you're looking for. Well done, Slugger. Yeah. Oh, mate. She... All right. Okay. Slugger, you're. you're I saw mouth. it
3: present. I saw him present some prizes at the top of the town at the old under under 18's oh, wow.
5: disco in
0: about Right, oh. so, I'm going to test. I'm going to test you on your you're a, you're a US a US sports buff. What was the gridiron NFL themed bully in, in Grange Hill called at that in that era, sort of late eighties? Oh, you remember? I can picture a guy, but. Absolutely it was, got me. It's post grip obviously post Gripper step. Oh it yeah, way. It. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It, many people. It was more than McCall, and it was like oh, that was when. Sure, was, that, it, was when, <laughs> that was when. Grange Hill was kind of it. Had kind of jumped the shark. Where you know, because what's his name? Um, uh, Gripper was an absolute like, you know, he was a brutal kind of bully, wasn't he? Very vicious and realistic. And then before that, it was the the mad guy Booger Benson. He was just a madman, wasn't he? And then yeah, when you got like a guy dressed in like NFL gear running around the corridors, people start to say, "Yeah, this isn't quite as kind of gritty and kitchen sink as it was in the um, early 80s Now, did he have the
4: pads on, Ian?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very different series. You could tell even by then as a kid. Yeah, it's probably a
3: different kind of bravely addressing sort of the rise of, sort of racism and fascism through, through a bully to, um, oh, there's American sports over here. That's a, that's a theme for a bully. <laughs> it's, um, exactly. Yeah, probably exactly. take a step back there on challenging yeah. ideas. Yeah. I-
4: Ian, little did you, little, Ian, little did you know that um, Martin Slugger Maloney used to go on your um, forum for Grange Hill and he always used to mess about with doing his football predictions. He'd all do, always do them a little bit late just for you. So I think uh, oh, Slugger needs to own up to that now. <laughs> I never knew uh, Sluggle was such a fan of Grange Hill. And also, a good mention of Top of the Town there, that always gets a few points. <laughs>
3: yeah, a, th- a, th- a, th- a fine building, no longer with us. It mm.
4: did, it add all, like, uh, did it have like, multi colours on it, as far as I remember? Like, like, orange or something? Or it add, like, yeah, a... it did. Yeah, it was, was a kind of orange and blue hmm.
3: sort of hoops outside. It, it, yeah. Like a, a really terrible away kit.
4: The things that place has seen and Martin actually got banned from the under-18s night so yeah it's another story we'll we'll go into that uh, another week. (laughs) Have you got a football moment of the week Ian?
0: Yeah sad sad news that Lou Macari I'm afraid is is joined the ranks of the woke social justice um, virtual signalers don't know if anyone saw this story No He got he got awarded by um, the big issue for work for um, his homeless shelter in um in Stoke um yeah he's not uh, just sick of the, these woke people taking over the country and mm. you guys <laughs>
4: mm. housing the homeless how, how dare you how dare you? he he, did,
0: did, he had he had a, he had one he had one in Stoke and then he what he did he um during lockdown obviously everyone had to be isolated and he bought these kind of um glamping i think no, they, they were like sort of glamping it's sort a pod. Of shed type it's things a pod, yeah pod. yeah pods yeah. and then he stuck them in this he managed to like you know, get get this warehouse at a knockoff price, and, and he stuck them all in there, and he, he made such a huge difference. And he put a TV in each one. I mean, great. The only question is, who's paying for it? Yes. Uh, that's what we always have to ask in these scenarios. I'm just trying to speak to the Cobblers fans out here guys our target audience <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I'm not fed up of it but yeah, he, um, yeah the Queen was at it as well did you see the, qu- the Queen did it as well they, they apparently um, according to private eye number 10 offered her um, they said Prince Philip's funeral you can have we, you know state occasion we can relax social distancing and she said no no if the country's going through it I, I've got to as well the Royal Family's got to as well I mean, if that's not that's just more white virtual signalling, isn't it? I'm sick of
3: it. <laughs> if, there's no, if there's nothing else the rich and powerful could do, it's like use the money, use their money and their influence to sort their mates out, rather than sort the poor and ordinary people out. It, it, it's nonsense. But, it'll, it'll never catch but, on.
0: But Martin, if you get angry about about the rich and powerful siphoning off public money mm. to their mates, you know that makes you and makes you woke. Mm. And that is the worst thing you can be. to be woke in this country, in this day and age, I can't (laughs) think of a worse so yeah, Lou Makari, hang your shed your hang yeah, hang Hang your your shed. shed. Hang your shed shed in shame. Sheds in shame as well. Absolutely (laughs) (laughs) disgraceful. Stoke Stoke is a proper working class um former red red wall community. You know? Who's gonna Who's gonna pay for this? Who's gonna
4: pay for this? Stuff? I, f- I think the, the problem for me with this <laughs> is the, the problem for me with this, Ian, is that it sounds almost like it sounds like a lovely idea, Lou McCari housing the homeless. But it, I've got like visions of a terrible like Squid Game end to this. You know, he makes them watch just pure videos of him scoring goals on their TVs in their pods. The next thing, they're competing to the death. <laughs> In this warehouse, I think it's there's some dystopian thing going on there, Ian. You need to be careful. It's going to end badly. It'll be on Netflix.
3: There's a a worse worry. There's a worse worry. I mean, six nights a week. I'm I'm, I'm fine with helping the homeless, but you know, what's he gonna cold Tuesday night in (laughs) Stoke?
4: Yes, good point. Good point. But yeah, I didn't. I knew he'd done that, but I hadn't uh, seen an update. Yeah,
0: he got awarded. He got he got an award this week. Oh, fair play! Yeah, no, that sounds so, to be you know joking aside. It's a pretty selfless thing he's done there. He's not done it for any reason apart from just wanting to to make a difference. So yeah, you know,
5: fair, fair
0: play. play to him. Did anyone see that 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 one off TV movie with um, about the Kitman Stoke a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah,
4: um, very good. Yeah, yeah,
0: and he, he he was he was he featured in that, didn't he? As well, he was he, he was the he was the manager at the time, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, that guy was—he just—he uh, just had access to all areas, didn't he? He just did—you know—he could go where he wanted. He met loads of really interesting people. I can't remember his name, but yeah, it's really worth watching. Neil,
0: somebody—he was—he yeah. was in, was in yeah. the—he um, was in the boat race and everything, wasn't he? Like, he just wrote to him and said, "Can I go in the boat?" And they're like, "Yeah, come on then." And he got to sit in like the—I think it was <laughs> like the—the um, the race officials' boat.
4: Oh, I thought you meant you actually had to go in the bloody boat race. Uh, boat race. I was thinking yeah, that's actually for an, you know an amateur. No, he, quite he did.
0: No, he didn't let me cocks for Cambridge, no,
4: that's not that. But yeah, no, that was a good one. Um Andy, very pleased to have you back, mate. How is it going in the world of ski jumping? That was a jump.
5: Oh, up and down, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been quite busy lately, actually, which is, you know, it's just got so much going on, mate, you know. Um, no, it's fine. Yeah, nice to be back working again.
4: Brilliant. And how's it going in that crazy sport of? Um, last time I saw it, it was skiing, shooting, and uh, you know, was it running across the, just a, a sheet of ice with holes in it, something like that. I can't remember what it's called. What's that one? Yeah, that,
5: you're thinking of winter. It's a knockout, mate. Y- yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> but Nordic combined, I think, is Nordic the sport. Um,
5: combined. You're referring to? Yeah, mad. Totally mad.
4: Has anyone ever stuff stopped than, to uh, think what the hell are they actually doing there? I've watched it; they're, they're skiing and like for their lives, and suddenly they just these these yeah, guns skiing appear.
5: skiing and then um, guns. Do A bit of shooting. Yeah. You know, it's from the obviously from the early days of the Olympic movement stuff that um, was perhaps a little bit more authentic than it is now. When you did actually shoot at targets, a bit like the um, in the summer get you like the modern pentathlon. You know, you do a bit of <laughs> you like ride a horse for a bit, get out, <laughs> swim over a lake. <laughs> um, you know 10 press-ups you know put, pull an egg out of a bucket of sand with your teeth that sort of that's <laughs> but you know um, and,
3: and, and you've got, got me, got me day,
5: a little lo- school day at the Olympics school sports, you've got me a little
3: confused here now so which one's the Olympics and which one's it's a knockout
4: <laughs> exactly
3: uh, well this Definitely. is it and does this, and does this make you the, the spiritual heir to Stuart Hall and all his good stuff yeah <laughs> well I was going to say stuff. yeah can
5: you can you pop a caveat in? Um, <laughs> Not the other stuff. <laughs> well, quite, yes. Um, but no, all that stuff that, um, you know, when when Pierre de Coubertin was dreaming all this up, you, you, people did actually, you know, and they ran through a an actual forest and shot actual targets and stuff. Mm. But now, of course, it's all very sanitised and, you know, you have like, these sort of modified rifles and shooting a plastic target, you know. Rather than actual deer. And anyway, let's, not, let's not go into you know, the internet, whether that's a good thing or not. It's bad, obviously. We're going to hunt tours after that, us. That whole, that whole scene is, is, uh, is thriving, mate. And you will be able to watch lots and lots of it over the next couple of weeks at the Winter Olympics. Exactly. In that noted winter sport hotspot, Beijing.
4: <laughs>
5: uh, yeah.
4: And you're working on that, aren't you, Andy?
5: Yeah, uh, pre-departure PCR tests permitting. Um, I'll be going out there for that, yeah.
4: What's your football moment of the week, mate?
5: Well, I'm not sure. I've got a football moment of the week. I've got just got a moment of the year, and that's the fact that Ian's internet mates with Ziggy Greaves. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite, not quite up there with Jeff. Just, um, is it, aren't, you, aren't you friends with um, Bobby Bacalar on Twitter?
2: Jeff? No, that's Ian. Is that you, Ian, as well? Ian's friends with no, I'm not at all. He's friends with um, Bobby Bacalar.
5: Okay, well that's, that's another <laughs> one. I need to, I need to up my internet friendship. Yeah,
0: okay. I mean, yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. He just followed me back, old Bobby Bacalar, and I, I think I messaged him once. He said, "Yeah, really enjoying the um, Sopranos podcast, mate." And he's like, "Thanks, bird." That was it. <laughs> that's <laughs> enough,
4: Ian. that is enough. Yeah, I need to, yeah, yeah, Wow, you can
5: sweet in an American accent. Wait, I, yeah, yeah, I need to up my internet friendship game. Although well, I haven't said that last time I did that, the police took away my laptop. <laughs> but, I,
0: mean, uh... I
5: messaged I messaged
0: Ziggy Greaves recently, actually, and like, I think it, I can't remember if it was on Twitter, just and I, and it was like oh, but it said account run by his partner, and I said oh, you say hi to George for me, see if he remembers me from you know the old football competition. So, and she messaged me back, yeah, he remembers you, remembers you. I was thinking, yeah, probably because i got you know stoke the Man City wrong in two thousand and nine and <laughs> still annoyed it. He stopped him going top of the table. Oh, mate, what's, um, what's um what's the
4: most out of the group, what's the most famous person that's ever tweeted you? Has anyone got one? I've got
2: <laughs> this is gonna be very yeah, well I I can't remember what tweet it was. It could it might have been something about music, but it could equally have been something about Margaret Thatcher. Best leave that one there. <laughs> <really>. uh, <laughs> uh, the the my probably my most famous follower is uh, and I'd imagine probably only one person in this group will know who this is is Jeff Jarrett. Is he, a wrestler?
4: Is he? He's a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, I've
2: heard yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, him. Yeah, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Because I'm I met he did a thing at Sky and I met him and um, he um he asked me what my Twitter was or something because he wanted to tag me in the post he was doing for it and then he followed me what so I had to follow him. I don't really. I'm not really a huge fan of his, but I kind of had to follow him because he was right there, um, <laughs> and he followed me as well, which is very decent of him. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite quite a boring answer there, really. Just Jeff didn't Jarrett. you have um,
4: Jeff? Didn't that female wrestler you were uh, quite keen on? Didn't she tweet you to say please leave her alone? I, I saw that on Twitter at one point. Well,
2: the, she, she um, <laughs> her, her legal representatives messaged her me on too. a separate platform. Yeah,
4: I saw that, wasn't it? Yeah. Fair play, you know kind of count for taste um my one is louis Ferrou, which i was like made up with nice. yeah louis Farou. i tweeted him run randomly i t- actually, actually i have tweeted him before on it but i treat him every day on it let's just let's be clear no <laughs> i tweeted him about my favorite ever character from um louis Ferrou, and i don't know if you've seen this episode where he goes to the not like
5: not like palmer
4: no very he is very good no um uh, mellow t the rapper stroke pimp from the uh he did one where he was yeah, what was it? This he was rapping. It was a rapping episode, one of the best ever ones. And he meets this gangster pimp rapper yeah, from the deep south yeah. and he wears a bowler hat and he shoots at <laughs> like tin cans with a revolver and misses everyone from about five foot away. Uh and uh I just te- I just tweeted, you know, uh Louis Three, what news of Mellow T and he was like he just re- replied back, uh, it's all quiet at the moment on Mellow T but for me that was just like He's like one of my heroes. Yeah, that's pretty
0: cool. Yeah, that's, that's the one where he goes, "My money doesn't jiggle; it folds." And then Louis tries his own rap, and he's like, "Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle." I like the way you wiggle. Yeah, isn't it? That's that episode.
4: No, it's the one. <laughs> yeah, it's a legendary one. That's the one where he meets the uh, writers of a rap, and he has to go on a rap battle on 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 the radio. And his um, and I say it to my uh, poor uh, fiance all the time. If ever I see a Fiat, the line is. Cruising in my Fiat, looking for a biatch. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that Ian? And and um, Louis refuses to say it. He says, "I can't say that. I I drive a Fiat, but I can't say that." Oh, it's classic, brilliant. I like Ian. Do you remember the line? The line uh, from that episode? It was, "I'm six feet, six feet two in my compact, no slack. But luckily, the seats go back." Yes, yeah, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so day, Louis Ferrou's uh, weird weekends. If anyone can find that, Jeff, um, mm. have you found shut that door yet?
2: No, but um, I haven't been to mum and my dad's house since last week, so um, yeah, that's that's it really. If it's anywhere, it'll be in their loft, but they um, they went through a process of giving me all my stuff from their house a few years ago even though at the time I was living in a two-bedroom house and they were in a four-bedroom house and there's only those two and I have my whole family they seemed to think that I had space for all this stuff they were giving me you know sort of things like um, you know it, it was things like coursework from GCSEs and A levels and my entire book collection which is just impossible to fit in at the time uh, yeah a little window into my life there but the 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 short answer is no I haven't been around there to look for it it's a shame. We need to find it. I, I
4: I do feel that it might be in a box marked evidence in your in your parents' house. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're mounting a case against you, just in case you go turn to some sort of like deranged killer or something. They'll be like, "We always knew it when we saw this." <laughs> but if you um if you find it, it would be good to read that little excerpt. Maybe once a, you know, once an episode, just a little bit from it. So yeah, have a little look for well,
2: it. Well, we'll definitely that we'll do like a fireside chat, a, a reading of it. Mm. I'll read you. There won't be much in it, I'm sure. It'll be, it'll be very slim, slim pickings, but I, I would love to find it.
4: Yeah, we'll find it. We'll definitely find it. So, have you got a football moment of the week for us, Geoff?
2: I, incredibly, I have this week, and um, regular listeners will be pleased to hear it doesn't relate to my five-a-side exploits or um, playing Championship Manager 97-98. <laughs> uh, it actually does relate to real football. And it is the news this week that um, former Cobblers' favourite, Andy Woodman is in line, or about to be interviewed, or has held talks with Gillingham over their vacant managerial job. Yeah. So I'm sure we will all um, we all send our best regards to Woody and hope that he gets in at, um, at Gillingham. But a very interesting one that because I thought you, you sort of look through teams over the years and you and you have in your mind players that would go on to be managers. And I don't know about you guys, but I never really think about goalies being managers. It's just there's just something. Wrong about, it, isn't there? It's just, it's just a bit unseemly. What do you What do you think?
3: Um, it's interesting. With bat and ball sports, so baseball, cricket, catchers, and wicket keepers often seem to go on to do it because they sort of manage the game. Yeah. But football, goalkeeper managers, there's been so few because mm. it is almost like it's a reactive job, isn't it? You You can't really boss the game from there. It's centre midfielders, it's centre halves, it's rarely wingers,
4: it's rarely keepers. But I think um, with with Woody, his character just seems so strong. And we 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 saw that interview with him. Sorry, it was a podcast, wasn't it? He did a few months ago. I think maybe Ian told us about it. One of one, one of you guys told us, and I watched it. I, I listened to it. It was recorded as well. But his um his personality is very strong, and he's maybe the sort of guy that's sort of grown into that that sort of stature Well he's obviously like put on a few pounds bless him since he's a, a goalie but you know he just but you you suddenly become that role rather than you've looked for it so he's probably got a little in somewhere and he's worked his way up got a bit of respect players probably respect him because he's, he's been there and done it at you know various levels so yeah I, I can on one on one hand I can't see I, didn't, I wouldn't expect him to be a manager he would never be on the list of ex-cobblers players I thought but Funny enough, and football is such a strange game, that he's he's likely to be in a higher league than us as a manager. Yeah. Funny yeah. how uh, football works.
5: Yeah. I always think as well that um, there's that old thing about, you know, go, didn't Brian Glanville write a book that goalkeepers are different? Mm. And you've almost got to be, I've never thought about that before. It's a good point, isn't it? You know, the fact that not that many keepers make managers or successful managers. You've almost got to be within the... The cut and thrust of it, oh, you know, haven't you? And I always think, even in dressing rooms, keepers are just just sitting
2: off to the side a bit. And you know, I but can't actually ca- think of a single one in <laughs> that, has, that has done well. I,
4: I in, can't. I trying to think now. I can't think. Of
2: manager Dino, Dino Dino's off was a keeper. Yeah, 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 great on, shout, yeah. actually, yeah. Um,
5: but there, I mean, there aren't many at mm. all, and it's, it's successful it's ones. The, certainly. It's the fact
3: you put you can pull out the odd exception that sort of proves the rule, isn't it? And it's, it's quite striking. I'd never thought of this before either, but out of, you know, people who play, you know, there's 11 people starting every game. How, you know, I guess, squad players, not, you know, average outfield players become very good managers. Graham Potter, Neil Warnock, um, others become very good managers. Goalkeepers, who might play 46 games a season or 42 or 38 games a season for 20 years, never get looking. Mm. Because I think it's there was a whole different outlook, I think, when you're playing in goal. It, it is so reactive that you almost like, it drives the people mad. I remember in an interview with John Burridge about, <laughs> you know, he, he was mental. He what a terrible thing, but he would like End up bruising his wife from like having dreams diving around in the bed. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's what I read. I mean, I'm, that was I'm, his story anyway. Excusing domestic violence here. But, um, yeah, it, it's it feel, it's a really odd thing that you could be so involved in the game, more so than most outfield players because most outfield players have a few games off each season, and yet. They always look the other way when it comes to picking a manager, and no one ever thinks that's a bit odd because, like we think, Woody, Bloody hell, he's done well. Yeah,
4: but surely, um, as a if, if, as if a, a manager, yeah you John
3: know, Frayne or if um, Dean Peer or someone pops up, you're like, yeah, yeah, they said they were they were well involved in the game. They yeah. they see I like, know what they're doing.
4: But it's as, a, a, as really, a
3: really really good spot
4: that I'd never thought of. But as a goalie, though. Conversely, you might look at it. Well, they actually do watch a lot of the game. They're like, probably watching more of the game than anyone. You know, they're just sitting, standing, and watching. They might drift off sometimes, but they actually are, have got a, a position to watch the game. And um, yeah, well, it just seemed...
5: I, I always say again, I've, I've never really sort of thought it, laid it all out, and thought it through properly. But my brain just goes to yeah, okay, a, a bloke who becomes a keeper is obviously obsessed with football, but not in the way outfield players, almost like the path of least resistance. I want to, I want to like make a career as a footballer, but we covering every blade of grass and being switched on there. I don't fancy that. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just focus on my own particular little set of skills and boss that, yeah. and do that for 15, 20 years, and then piss off and buy a racehorse or something. <laughs> I, I, I always think like David Seaman. I don't know why my brain goes straight there. I think if it him as a manager, it's not just not going to work, is it?
4: But, but remember no. he did um he did what he did learn from the best Ian Atkins and uh you never know Bromley might mo- <laughs> yeah. Bromley might get a little uh, strange Island Drury character coming in writing like stuff like Win on the Walls and stuff like that. <laughs> and second all-
3: cobbler, second cobblers game I ever watched, David was in goal engulfed the opposition.
4: Really? Is that, is that York? Really? Or, no Leeds. Yes.
3: Leeds No, not Leeds.
4: York or someone? I can't remember who he used to play for.
3: Oh, Peace Bruff. Yeah. Uh yeah. Wow. wow, that's a great shout! <laughs> I don't I, mean, Listen, I think I think he had a tash, but I was only, <laughs> I was only small at the side, But because he, he was, a yeah,
5: that's a great shout. That he was around for so much longer than you. I mean, he's around for long enough anyway. Yeah, but longer the, than before plus you, plus remember plus you remember plus plus.
4: even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also um, I saw on I think it's Wood. I don't know if it is Woody's social media, but he's friend. He's quite good friends with Alan Parger. He's probably around a lot of. Managers and stuff. I want to call Alan, yeah, Alan Partridge a great manager. But he's probably uh-huh. had a lot, a lot of people to um, lean on if he needs to. So fair play to him. I so hoped you were saying Alan Partridge there, but yeah. <laughs> Alan Partridge is doing
2: good. He rings Alan Partridge.
4: Totally <laughs> right then, let's have an aside to preview Saturday's top of the table clash at Sutton United. Brendan Walsh is joining me from the Northampton end and from Sutton. We're pleased to be joined by Jared Hull from the Sutton United Talk Time podcast. How are you doing, Jared? you okay?
6: I'm doing fine, thanks. Yourself?
4: Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to the game on Saturday. It's another one of these sort of top of the table clashes. We had one the other day, so bring it on, I say. Um, it was a, a bit of a, a you know a good win um last night against Colchester for you guys.
6: Yeah, I mean to be honest, um, at half time we were two one down. Um, going away a penalty just for the for the half time. I was thinking, no, this is you know because. I I I'm a pessimist and so I'm thinking, you know, this run's gonna to come to it at any time now. And I'm thinking at two one down at half time's like we're not coming back into this game. But incredible fight back from the lads in the second half. Um and the ninety second minute winner. a second time we scored an injury time goal in two games. Yeah, that's
4: uh yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I guess it's quite indicative of the fighting spirit of Sutton. And um yeah, I just I, I guess because of the non-league routes and stuff, you're sort of, you're just going for every game and just enjoy, enjoying it as much as you can, aren't you, you're in League Two?
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest, last season was completely out of left field. It just wasn't expected. We don't think, you know, we kind of hoped to be around the playoff picture, but getting promoted was just not really on the agenda. So this um every game in this league is kind of a, well, at least at the start of the season, as he has gone on, things obviously change. And it gets more realistic but it's still very much a bonus and it's still very much a a pinch yourself and oh we're here we're playing against teams that aren't you know non-league teams it's it's weird yeah but at the same time obviously um i'll bring you in now brendan
4: clearly sutton are a very good side i I, i'm probably like a slightly patronizing there you know the cobblers aren't you know aren't like a huge club so um yeah brendan are you sort of impressed with what Sutton have done
1: yeah, 100%. I think uh, we've definitely mentioned it before. The It's not massively uncommon to see teams that um, you know win the conference and they tend to fly up through the leagues. I think over the last couple of years, the National League, is uh, the lines between that and League 2 has is, is blurred so much. I, f- I remember like 10, 15 years ago when I started going to Sixfields, the, the line between League 2 and, and the conference was pretty much a line between semi-pro and pro. And then now I'd argue like, I'm pretty sure all of the conference um, the National League is, is pro and then most of the National League South and and North is is, is semi-pro or pro-mix now so it's there's quite a few teams that tend to like you know they get on a winning form and they keep their players together and they're kind of galvanised and they tend to do one league Two because they're used to winning and they've got that mentality they don't kind of come up and try and you know set up to uh, to defend a lead or anything and they're quite aggressive in high-level football so yeah, it's, it's exact, like Sutton's not exactly one of them teams that's been in the conference for a few years that fell out of the EFL. It's, I'm pretty sure it's your first time in the Football League, isn't it? So I've kind of got... Uh, before they beat us, I had a bit of a soft spot for them and, and wanted them to do well. But, you know, if we could pause that for Saturday and let us get back to winning ways, that would be great.
6: Yeah, yeah that
4: seems like a, a reasonable summary of how things have gone. Um, Jared, Matt Gray's the manager there, if I'm right, he was heavily yeah. linked with the cobblers uh, before John Brady got the job. Yeah. You've got to be pleased with the job he's done there.
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely. It's, um, so back Gray took over the summer 2019. Um, our previous manager had been a manager for 11 years, and we, we're a club that holds on to managers for quite a long time. We we don't chop and change. And that fir- the first couple of months of the back Gray were, were difficult. Very, we went like had one win in 14 games. And it was a case of the board holding a nerve. But they did to their credit, they did. Matt Great, um, again, he held his levy, also adapted he changed his changes football philosophy a little bit. It's his first job as a manager. And but yeah, so since since then, since about Christmas 2019, we've we've kicked on massively. And we can't really complain. You know, we're living we're living our best lives at the moment. Um, you know, promotion last season, you know, in the mix at the moment, you know, stuff that we can really complain about and just just grateful um, for the job he's done, and, you know, have, and the the settled team that we brought, that he's brought into to the club. Uh, you know, as as Brandon was saying, look, um you know, having that you know kind of alluded to perhaps maybe that having that settled team does help a club push on, and I think that's what we've got at the moment. We're not reaching, we didn't bring in too many players over the summer, didn't release anyone, so you know, that's just a stable club.
4: Yeah, it's it, it just seems an interesting setup and it it, it must be to be to, to be great to you know have that rise and people have written something off a few times and always underdogs and never you know having that fighting spirit. Have, have you noticed a change around the club Jared since the ch- the change to the league or things mainly the same
6: not off the pitch as well? Well, there's obviously there's, there has been changes. Uh, but I think those changes come gradually over the last 5 6 years. Um so we were part to the National League in 2016 from the, from the National football the Conference South. Now, I think that I think the gap between the Conference South and the Conference National is bigger than one between the Conference National and and the, and the Football and, and the EFL. So I think over the last five or six years we've seen gradual changes, but I think they definitely have been accelerated. But at the same time, there's still very much that non-league family feel to it. Yeah. Our crowds have grown exponentially over the last you know since since we started the, in the Football League. Um, we've gone from like um fifteen hundred before pandemic started to about two, you know, three thousand odd now. And and then even um so but it's still that same family feel to it, it's, um still um, you know, it just feels like our club. It doesn't feel like it has changed too much. Yeah. And what you'll notice about Ganning Green Lane, if you're going down on Saturday, it is still quite very much a a non-league ground in, in the football league. So uh, you know we haven't changed too much obviously there have been some big changes like change of the pitch um some additional facilities in the ground have been included but it's still we're still run by a committee of volunteers and uh, we've run the club like it's before i was even born um so that, that hasn't changed our ethos hasn't changed it's just about um you know playing football enjoying ourselves and see what happens yeah that just seems like um quite a um I suppose,
4: in a way, it's sort of like an old school setup with like a, a team of volunteers doing it. But you know, the decisions are always going to have the heart, of the club, at, you know, at the centre. So that's really, really important. And um, Brendan, you're a non-league ground top yourself, obviously mm. so not non-league anymore. But was certain a, a, a ground you ever got to before they got promoted?
1: It wasn't actually. The uh, I have seen them before though, like uh, a couple of it, because I'm based in London, obviously, Jared. So I, I yeah. live in Camden, and I go um, back. I mean, I still go home and away, but I go back every weekend. And normally, if we can't get to Cobbers or there's a midweek game or something, we go to. There's a vast wealth of like non-league teams in London from every level. And I remember, a couple of years ago, we went to Bromley. And uh, if if you've been to Bromley, you kind of you walk exactly. through this kind of thicket from the station to the ground. Um, and uh, we got trapped in between. There were these police kind of escorting some Sutton fans. And I think it would have been in 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 the in the National League proper. And and we were like. That, you know the Sutton fans were setting off flares and everything and <laughs> we were like caught with them basically in this like alleyway and we were like what you know and then the police were like pushing us and we're like mate we're Northampton fans and they were like what are you doing here sort of thing and um yeah I remember even then I was like you know they've got some crazy fans for for non-league and, and I think everybody saw um how well they did when they got Arsenal and, and 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 definitely kind of paid attention to them there so it's good to see them get their chance in um in the Premier League, it was a shame they had to change their pitch. I hate when that stuff happens to non-league clubs. I don't, I don't really see any problem with 4G pitches in the football league nowadays. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a breath of fresh air to have like a brand new participant really to the FL, kind of you know making their own history in it, I suppose.
4: Yeah, yeah you're exactly right. A bit of a breath of fresh air. Uh it's like a, li- a different take on things. You know, I know the um, like you said the Sutton I've got very passionate supporters, they've got a little like, ultras group and stuff like that. And um yeah, just a different a different feel to things, a different politics, no doubt. And yeah, it's yeah, long long may it continue. Uh, Jared, tactically, how do Sutton normally set up what how would you describe the playing style and stuff?
6: Uh our formation is basically been the same for about um, since Matt Gray's t- since like for the last two bit two bit years now. We're 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 a nice 4-4-2 yeah. traditional side like that. Um we we have the I saw statistic that we have the lowest pass rate in the division. Um we don't like pass it around too much. You you won't see us um pass the ball around the back particularly too much like you <laughs> uh, like a like a wannabe Manchester City. Um we do try like we try to get the ball forward as quickly as possible and as effectively as possible. I wouldn't say we're long ball, but we're effective ball. Um, we, uh, you know, we we have pace. We have a pace, couple of pacey wingers who like to have a run at defenders. Um, but and we like to we like to play for set pieces if you know <laughs> we can play for set pieces if needs be. Um, but we're direct is probably the best way to describe us. Direct.
4: Yeah, I'm chuckling because a lot of the things you're saying are just describing Northampton. I think we we were I think we're the yeah. second lowest number of short passes in the league. We're not like a long ball team by any means, but we do like set pieces. We do like using wingers. We have used essentially a 4-4-2 sort of modified at times. Doesn't it Brendan sound like almost like it could be a really good game?
1: Yeah, it it feels like definitely like there's um uh, two similar styles there. I I've, I've tried to kind of get engaged in what Brady does. last couple of weeks he's changed it when he's needed to but someone asked me what football we play the other day and I was thinking like you can't really call it counter-attacking because it's not like we sit and invite people I just think when we do win the ball back we look to break quickly like it's a very fashionable word in the premiership at the moment but it's very transitional it's very trying to catch teams out of shape and there is a little bit and there's an element of that like being comfortable being out of possession and pressing in the right times but at the same time, you're not like Rob Page back in the day, like sat back with 11 men in the box, so, uh, and it felt like, I remember the certain game we played last time, we played them at six fields, it, it kind of felt like that, and it just felt like they took took their chances better than us at the time, and it was a bit of a sucker punch to go one down, and we just, we couldn't get out of the box, we couldn't string a pass together, there was no quality on show that day, and, and we didn't defend well enough, but uh, I, I remember as well, I, I think it was from a red card, or it might have been from an injury, but Uh, John Guthrie didn't play that day. And I remember we had Sean McWilliams at right-back and we had Aaron McGowan at centre-back, who's who's normally our right-back, obviously. So it's like, yeah, I don't think we played well on the day. And you could argue, you know, those players might not have contributed to it. But also that's arguably your best ball-winning center midfielder playing at right-back for 60, 70 minutes before he come off. And our our great right-back in at centre-back. So I'm, I'm hoping with our team... Um, returning to, you know, safe full strength, but in a better condition than it was last time we played Sutton. I'd hope that we, if we do, you know, match styles, that we can come out on top of it.
4: Yeah, I'd I'd agree with, with a lot of that. I think it, it potentially could be a really good, good game and a, and a new ground for a lot of Cobblers fans. I think we sold at our end, well, quite confidently sold at our end, so that should be a good one. Um, Jared, who are
6: the players to look out for for Sutton on Saturday? I, I think i start, I think a couple people will say our star man at the moment is a winger called David Adjaboy. He was Matt Gray's first signing from um, Eastman's side, um, Worthy, back in 2019. He's a fast, skillful winger. He's I think he's pretty much our top scorer of this season so far in the league, at least. or the second top scorer in the league. Um, he's the kind of player you No, know, the traditional winger that just likes to break He's qu- quick as anything, as quick as player that I've seen in my time watching Sutton. He also is quite comfortable taking players on. Um, we've also, in midfield, uh, a guy called Alistair Smith, uh, um, who's a, a new signing in the summer, uh, he's taken to, uh, from Autryham, he's taken to the club quite well. Again, he's scored quite a few goals, scored a, a great um, ping on, on Saturday at Stevenage, and uh, uh, perhaps our goalkeeper, Dio Bozanis, because if only the eccentricity of him, uh, on, again, on Saturday against Stevenage, um, he played at one point on the right wing as a goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> it, winning the ball for uh, for a break, trying, um going through a couple of tackles and p- pumping across the ball. He's a he's Australian and he's eccentric. Um I think it's fair to say, but but in a good way. Um but those are so you got the um skillful fast guy in David Edgeboy, um a solid, nice midfielder and Perhaps when you're when when you're attacking down um exciting keeper, eccentric keeper to watch at least.
4: <laughs> Let's hope he's very eccentric in the weekend and drops the ball into the net or something like that. We'll, we'll take that.
5: <laughs>
6: uh, what happened to uh, Harry Beautyman? Is he still around? He's injured he play for cobblers. Um he's injured at the moment. He picked up an injury against Swindon. He basically um his arm. Um he's on a boat. Is he's back in train at the moment. Um he's not been involved in day squads. He was at the range game on Saturday. I think he was there last night as well. Um, so he's out training with the team before games, what have you. But I don't think he's going to be back until next month.
4: Okay. Yeah. Um, do you remember Harry Beauty minutes, um, Brendan? He was. He looked Yeah, I do. Useful.
6: Yeah. I, he. Um.
1: The the first season I I had my season ticket since I moved, moved back down south. Actually, he was like. The go-to guy for page wasn't he after Wilder? I I thought he was all right. I I didn't really know why we let him go. And then I remember because he I think he started a, a, a majority of his career at Sutton and and, and then kind yeah, of moved yeah. up through the leagues. And then we went back down there and he, he, I kept seeing his name pop up that he was scoring every week for you guys in in yeah. a, a conference. So yeah, I, I definitely remember him. I think uh, there's uh, there's another Rex Cobbler on, its, on the books at Sutton as well in Corboa. but I don't yeah, know probably. how much he's kind of how much he's featured this season, how much he's played.
6: He's called, but i mean ricky hasn't gone to the team too much yet um he was on the bench last night he's it's unfortunate uh for him that we um as, as a winger we've got a couple of solid wingers already in, in in the squads um it's kind of, sometimes on the team it's kind of like dead men's shoes where uh, the change to, to the sideline will only come if if someone's injured or unavailable and yeah. when ricky's been available there's been other wingers available um perhaps ahead of in, in the pecking order, but when he has come on, he has looked good. Um I, I want to see Ricky do well because uh before he signed for your uh, for Northampton he was a player for our local Rivals Carl Shorten. Mm. Uh, you always want to see like a, a repentant sinner do well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um so you want to see him do well. But it, again I'll go going back to to, to Harry Buterman to, to Bute. um he was a club that he was he was well regarded his first belt at the club and you know he's well guard now. He's um, a couple of years ago he was the main reason why we weren't sucked into a relegation battle. He scored mm-hmm. like fifteen goals from midfield in a in a yeah. mid team. Um, he's phenomenal. But again, I it's just unfortunate of injuries this season. But when he, when he has played, he's you know he, he's the man. Uh, you know he's one of my favourite Sutton players of all time. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, and he he showed glimpses of talent at Northampton. Just um, perhaps
4: um, didn't quite fit in for whatever reason. Same with Cor- Corborough, who has got some talent and stuff, but he's the sort of guy that you can see sometimes in a, in a league situation might lose out to people with a bit more physical presence, maybe, but, um, yeah, two good players, definitely. Um, before we go to some tactics, you've talked a little bit about Gander Green Lane. Um, Brendan's going down there on Saturday. You know, you said it's like a, a good
6: non-league ground. What what fans expect from the, the ground? Um, it is a very much a non new ground um in, in its facilities it's um so at the moment um we the majority of the ground is terracing um it's very small capacity uh, the way end is is quite um it's not the deepest terrace in the history of the world ever it's twice it's quite a narrow terrace um but it's right on top of the pitch um but you may want to get there a bit early for, for a better view um it's 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 very hard to describe. I mean, it's been our home for so long, and yeah. I, I love the place. I recognise that, but I recognise at the same time, there's a lot to lot to be desired in, in terms of the ground, in terms of facilities, but it's you should get a friendly welcome there. Um, it's quite easy to get to by public transport. It's right by a train station, although, heads up, there are no trains running at to West Sutton Station, which the station gets to the ground on Saturday, so you might have to, to go directly into Sutton itself. Um, it's, you know, it's a small ground. It's a compact ground. It's um, it has its own atmosphere. It has a u- own unique feel to it. I, I guess um, it's, it's quite hard to put into words. But it's yeah. home. That's most important thing. It's home.
4: Yeah, definitely. And the fans that go, go down there can give us a little report back. That sounds right up your street, Brendan.
6: It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've done a
1: couple of uh, non-league grounds this week. I did um. Chelmsford City on Tuesday uh, on Monday and then uh, last night I was at, um, at Hampton and Richmond Borough So two very different like non-league grounds One, one's like what you know the classic big athletic track and lots of facilities and then Hampton Richmond Borough is like you kind of feel like you're in the middle of a castle there's loads of trees overhanging the pitch and you're right in these like cottages and back gardens and everything so I think I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it
6: so, I think you know, there's a, a mixture between those two kind of styles, really, because it was an mm. old access ground back in the day. Um, but it's also in the park, so you've got, big, you've got lots of trees and stuff. So, you feel like. Yeah, little, I, quite, little I, little I like grounds gardens. for that. I like, I
1: call them hibbledy piggledy grounds. Like, mm. there's lots of nooks and crannies and d- things that make it unique. And, you know, I lo- I like Wimbledon as a club. Or I hope I, they do well. But bit, I've done the new ground there, and it's just a bit of a lifeless shell. You know, it's just. Mm lots of grey cinder block and, mm. and and that's it like do you know what i mean there's nothing really i don't know i just really appreciate those grounds um lots of people complain about them don't get me wrong i do still really like you know i've been to spurs new ground and there's something to be said about that and it's amazing like feat of engineering but also you can't beat like
4: you can't you
1: know, can you some like you go brick hodgepodge put together a, a, over hundreds of years you, can't buy it, something unique you? About it.
4: you missed out on um you missed out on St Albans City. They used to have a um, a tree that grew out of the uh, stand there. Yeah. Brendan went a few years ago, I think. But that was a nice little feature. Yeah. St <laughs> Albans
1: a couple of times this year as well. Really yeah. enjoying it. I mean, obviously, I love Cobbers and and I go as many games as I can. But you know, I'd I'd say to a lot of people that there's there is a wealth of football underneath the football league. Um, you know, go go and get out and find your local league and all the teams around there because the people around there are, are lovely and it makes you appreciate. You know, I think I always get called like an optimistic Cobbers fan, but then <laughs> when you when you I, I've been like multiple leagues lower than than say the Conference. You know what I mean? It's like we're so lucky and blessed to have what we've had at at, at Northampton, and um, you know the, there's always like clubs underneath you and and who are looking up. So yeah, it definitely makes you appreciate what you've got, and um, you meet some lovely people doing it. Yeah, and
4: you can take your dog as well. So that always you helps. can
1: take your dog. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Um, let's wrap up now because we've got to shoot off uh, let's just go for the match predictions let's start with, we'll, we'll give Jared a, the go
6: first, what do you reckon the score will be Jared? I'm terrible at making predictions uh, I, I mean I think we'll just about edge it, I think we'll edge it I think we'll it will be 2-1 Sutton
4: Okay, that sounds
6: pretty
4: reasonable, I don't like to admit it but it seems uh, an okay prediction, um, Brendan, uh, Brendan, not Brandon, Brendan
1: uh, I'm going to go for a common score earlier in the season and say one-one. Uh, we're not in the best of form. We're still battling and, and finding our way a little bit. Uh, and I think Sutton at home, where they snatch things, I feel like they're they're going to equalise late, Um and it'll be one-one, share of the points. Yeah,
4: I was going to go with a draw. I was going to go one-one, but I think I'll, I'll go two-two because I just hope it's a really like a ding-dong game, and yeah. those goals for all the people that go down there on the starting funds as well, it should be. And a draw would be all right, Brendan, do you reckon?
1: Uh, a draw, I think you look at our fixtures at the moment and where we are in the table, you'd have to say a draw, but at some point we have to we have to go back to winning ways. I'd love it to be on Saturday, but if you offered me 1-1 right now, sadly, I'd take it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it
4: should be a good game anyway and good surroundings. So yeah. have a good one, everyone that goes down there. Thanks, uh, Brendan, for joining us. Cheers, Jared. Right. It's been really interesting and I enjoy the game, both of you.
1: Yeah. Cheers. Cheers guys. Have a good one.
4: Right, uh yeah, so yeah, let's let us let us move on actually to um our uh you know, much vaunted quiz from Martin Slugger Maloney. It's uh guess that cobbler. Martin reads out essentially the career history of a football player without saying their name, the clubs they played for, and we all have to guess. Now we did pretty well last week, but Martin I think is up the difficulty level, so we could struggle this week. Over to you, Martin.
3: So our first cobbler, he started his career at Watford, where he made 75 appearances, scoring 21 goals. Also had a couple of loan spells at Willston and Tranmere. Then he went to Bolton Wanderers, 25 games, four goals. Mm. But I had a loan spell at Charlton with 31 games and seven goals. Then moved to Burnley, 17 games, no goals. Then to Colview, uh 21 games, four goals. Then to Coff, 20 games, four goals. And then he moved to Burton Albion, 73 games, nine goals.
5: Okay, and finally,
3: and ending his career, Northampton Town on loan, eight games and no goals. Ooh. Now, if I tell...
2: now. Oh, one? No, I was, just saying, I was just exclaiming. I was just saying, blimey, this is t tu- This
3: definitely he's week. been around. He's been around a bit. Now I could, I could chuck. I mean, I could chuck the odd clue in.
4: Anyone he got it? In,
3: he was born in Pinner. Pinner. <laughs> oh, another is now. And his middle name is Anthony. <laughs>
4: oh, great. Oh, <laughs> very
2: generous clues.
4: Pinner. I don't know where Pinner oh. is. Is it London? It's a London suburb, isn't it, Pinner? Yeah. Um. Give us a year, Martin. So, Give us a year.
3: Okay. So he, f- he started his career at Watford in 2009. Oh,
4: it's Luton. And he really finished important. playing
3: for us. Sorry, Luton fan just <laughs> shouted scum across the bar. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and he finished his career with us in 2019 on loan from Burton Albion. Oh.
5: 2019? Yeah. What's his
4: O'Toole. O'Toole. O'Toole? No, not O'Toole. Oh, he's from Watford though, isn't he? Or oh, he played for Watford? I think he did. Yeah.
5: What, right, what, 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 what season in 2019 would that have
3: been? 2019-20? Uh, oh, I think he played at the end of the 2018-19
5: season. 20, end of 2018-19. Oh, yes. And how many games did he play? Eight, without scoring any goals.
3: Oh, this
4: is hard, Jesus. Martin. This is the only oh, one I that think, you'd oh, get, oh, Martin. Oh,
3: I think I know this. I think I know this. Yes. Um, if I told you what he does now, it would be really obvious, I think.
4: Alex Nicholls? No.
3: No? Sordell?
4: So- <laughs> it is
3: Marvin Sordell. Has he also just, he, has he also played at um, the other end of the
4: bar. I heard that. The Luton <laughs> fan went like that because he played for Watford, <laughs> didn't he? He was in the.
5: Um, I think he actually came off the bench in the Olympics. The yes, Brick, he did. He did. He in 2012. He played, yeah, he played in that Olympic side.
4: Uh, that was that, Martin. I said to increase the difficulty level. You've gone like to twenty-five.
3: <laughs> well, don't you worry. I have got pic- loads of pictures of careers ahead of us. So um,
5: you just <laughs> let me know when we're, when we're bored with this. Marvin Sordell.
4: Marvin yeah. Sordell. Uh, to be fair, that was a good one, Martin. Right. We should, and there will be people listening, shouting like down the uh, the computer where they're listening to that, and we should have got that one. Um, oh, one, mind. Let me
3: chuck the. Let me at least chuck the odd year in to make it not as.
4: Terrible. Okay, okay.
3: Okay, so, I mean, you probably get an idea of the bloke's accent straight away when I start going through those clubs he started with. Yep. So, 1980-81, he was Alvachurch. Yep. Then he played for the following teams who were making it into the league. Highgate United, Tamworth, Stratford, Solihull Borough, Sutton Coldfield Town, Byloat Rovers, Bromsgrove Rovers, and Burton Albion. Then, and I think I had a snicker of him, Wimbledon, 89-90, two goals in 20 games. Birmingham City, 10 goals in 44 games between 1990 and 1993.
4: Birmingham City.
3: A little loan spell at Walsall, one in four. Okay. Not Jason White. Jason White? No, No. not Jason White. Um, 93-94, three games to carve. 94-95. Three goals in 14 games for Burnley.
4: God, he's been around the block, then, this guy.
3: Yep. 95 to 97. 4 and 26 for Stoke City,
4: right.
3: along with a lone spell at Gillingham, with 3 and 9. Right. Now, 97-98. Eight, eight goals in 48 games Southampton for Town.
4: Right. So... He's played what, for what era?
0: Sorry, what era this did
3: is this? This is ninety seven ninety eight. So he's, he's, Chris he's Freestone? No. I did say Chris Freestone, but the silence was deafening. Uh no, no, it's not not Chris Freestone.
4: What position is it, mate? Is it a striker, Martin? Uh,
3: yes, he is a centre forward.
4: And he played for Birmingham City, right?
3: And
5: just about everyone else in the West Midlands, yes. Right. Oh, ninety, ninety-seven, oh, ninety-eight. It's got to oh, be
4: Big man, John. it is Big John Gale. Yeah, <laughs> <it> John. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course it is. Thanks. Right. <laughs> we got there in the end yeah. on that one. Listen, guys, we've been talking for a while. Let's uh, let's shoot off now. But um, we'll be back hopefully next week for and. Uh, we're going to leave you now Martin for a game of killer in the uh, on the pool table and we'll speak to you uh, all guys next week thanks a lot
3: <laughs> cheers all see us later cheers guys. Guys. bye, bye. Yeah. bye.